I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to the book of Job. I want to talk to you about this issue of friendship for, for just a few moments this morning. And, and, and I think that I, I love the way that God works things. I love the way that God ministering through the Holy Spirit, that God knows what he's doing. Because we are just a few weeks away from Easter. And, uh, and I will tell you, I, I'm always grateful that you're here at Calvary. But not, not for reputation or fame, but just because of tenderness at heart, uh, I always, every Sunday, I go, God, there's, there's room for so many more. I see space in the parking lot. I, I see plenty of space in our sanctuary. And uh, if, if you're here for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you to know that you are part of an alive and growing church. What God is doing here, uh, it's exciting to watch. And it, it seems like God's doing something wonderful and new uh, each week. But there's, there's opportunity for so much more. And God's heart is for so much more. And, and, and again, not for the reputation of a of a, of a building or a, a people and, and, and not for, um, not for the, the fame of anyone in leadership, but simply because all around us there are folks who are living lives. All men lead lives of quiet desperation. Isn't that what Thoreau said? And, uh, and while that's not completely true, I, I think it's, it's in large part true. If we live without Christ, we, we live without hope. And I, and I think of the, the 1.5 million unchurched and dechurched people in the greater Orlando area. And, and here's, here's what I'm convinced of. We have room for them. And there's, there's this little statement in Scripture where we're told to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Well, you know, I don't want to be obnoxious. I don't want to be offensive. Well, I'd make a couple of statements about that. Number one, I think you can do it without being obnoxious and offensive. I also know this. I also know that scripture declares that the cross is an offense to those who are perishing. My experience has been that more people thank me when I graciously, I think that's the key word though. When I graciously extend an invitation for them to go on this journey with me. Now, I will tell you if I look at them and go, friend, let me help you. You are a sinner and you need God. You need to get to church because if not, you're going to burn. That usually doesn't go so well. But when people genuinely know that I care about them, that I care about their eternal destiny, it's amazing how receptive they are. Amazing how receptive they are. Do you know that a, a, a poll shows this? That over two-thirds of people who are unchurched expect their church friends to invite them to church on Easter? And over three-fourths of them who are invited, if they are invited properly, will come. And, and each year, this time of year, it, it provides us an opportunity 
um, like no other because people expect to be invited to church on Easter. And in fact, they, most people know that going to church on Easter is something that they should do. And, and a lot of them, it's something they used to do. But it's, it's, it's awkward because they don't know where to go and they don't know what to expect. And so when a friend says, hey, how about you come to Easter with me, come to Easter service with me? What happens is this, is they know that they have somebody will, that will guide them through the process. And so it's, it's much more encouraging. It's much more inviting. I, I think it's a great thing. I think it's important that we do what we do as a church and sending out 10,000 invites is a wonderful thing. But can I offer you this? Those 10,000 invites in the mail won't have near the impact of you saying, hey, what are your plans for Easter? Man, knowing that you don't have plans, I've already made plans for you. Because here's what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to come to Easter Sunday morning service with us. You know, here's the thing. Even if you're not excited about church, I think you'll like ours because it's entertaining. And uh, the pastor's just a really good looking guy and, 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 uh, and witty uh, and just very engaging. And, uh, and then, and then I'll, afterwards I'll feed you. Right? And uh, who, very few people will turn down food. And it, it's, it's biblical. You've heard me quote this scripture before if you've been around. A bribe is like magic. He who uses it will prosper. So go ahead and bribe them with food. Get them to come to church. Hey, I want to talk to you about, just for a few moments, about Job. And I want to talk to you about the four marks of a true friend. Job, I, I mentioned Job a little while ago. Job, it says in Job 1.1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. He was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. Job was one of those guys, he lived his life right. He lived his life with character, character and integrity. And, and as a result, Job was blessed. And Job was also, Job was, a very, um, Job was a very popular individual. And Job was one of those guys who invested in the lives of others. The reason that we know that Job invested in the lives of others is this. I want you to look at, at Job chapter 4. Okay? In Job chapter 4, uh, Job has three friends that come to see him. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And in Job chapter 4, starting in verse 1, Eliphaz, one of, the, one of the three friends, speaks. And he says this, Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, replied, If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But, but who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many. Okay, So Eliphaz is talking to Job about the challenge that he's going through, about the difficulty that he's facing. All right? He says, he says Job, let, let, me, let me speak to you for a few minutes. Job, let me... Let me, uh, let me respond to what you're going through, friend. And then he begins, to, he begins to talk to Job about his journey. And Eliphaz talking to Job about his journey helps us to know a little bit about Job. So here's what he says. Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. So, what do we know from, from Job chapter 4 about this individual, Job? Here's what we know. We know that Job was an influencer. Job was not just a man that was prosperous. He was not just a man that was blessed. Uh, he was not just a man of integrity. Job was also a man who used his situation, who used his resource, who used his position to be an encouragement, to be a strength to be a guiding light, which I believe when, when God's word says this, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, that he's called us to be a, a guiding light. Some Christians are a blinding light and, and man, that's the last thing in the world you wanna be. 
But Job was one of those guys that he was a guiding light. And we know this. We know that he instructed many, that he strengthened feeble knees, that he supported those who stumbled. And yet, isn't it interesting when Job goes through his time of difficulty, how many of those people come to see him? Three. Three. And, and, and from their position, even though, quite honestly, if you read on in Job, their conversation doesn't go the best because what they fail to understand is, is that Job is, his issue and the reason why he's facing challenges is not because he did something wrong, but it's because of spiritual warfare. By the way, that's a little free bonus that you're going to want to take home with you that's very important to catch. That not all misfortune that befalls Christians is chastisement for sin. So when you see the brother sitting next to you and he's going through a tough time, don't go, what'd he do wrong? Right? When you see a sister that's facing difficult, what'd she do wrong? Somebody's sick and it doesn't seem like they're getting healed, they must have some sin in their life that God's not touching them. Because, listen, here's what we know. We know that God makes the scales bad. Oh, no, he doesn't. God's not into the scales business. Life is not fair. Let me, let, me, let me take it a little step further. God is not fair. Now, now, some of you are just mildly offended by that statement. God is not fair. God's f- fair. God's not fair. If God was fair, why is one child born in, 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 in prosperity, right, in wealth, and another born in poverty? Why is one child born in health and another child born with disease? Okay, God is not fair. Life is not fair. And listen, there's a big reason why God's not fair, and you don't want God to be fair. Okay? Fair is this. If I were to give you a dollar, which I'd give you a dollar, but I, I truthfully, I, you want to know why I don't give you a dollar today? Okay? I just want, I want to show you. Okay? How much money do I have in there? See any? Zero. Okay. So that's why I'm not giving you a dollar. But if I gave you a dollar, fair would mean that I'd have to give her a dollar, him a dollar, her a dollar, him a dollar, because that'd be fair, right? Because if I give one person a dollar, I should give everybody a dollar. It's only fair. Like, wouldn't you be ticked off if I gave him a dollar and you didn't get one? Sure, absolutely, so would I. What's the deal? He's handing out dollars. I didn't get one? (laughs) Go to the supermarket. Go, Go to Costco, go to... Sam's Club, anywhere where they hand out free samples. All right? And be the person when they run out of free samples. Tell me you don't feel that way. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Where's my sausage biscuit? Right? Somehow you think you, you, you're owed that sausage. It's free. Where's my sausage biscuit? I mean, people get angry. They'll fight for it, right? <laughs> Somebody says, you got to wait. They didn't have to wait. Right? Listen. Sam's Club lady, you should have known I was going to be there. You should have had my biscuit. This whole entitlement thing. And that's what, that's what fairness does. It creates an entitlement mentality. Anyone who has had more than one child knows this, that in a parenting process, you cannot be fair. You have to be faithful. Let me say that again. You're not fair. You're faithful. We have a son and a daughter. We, we respond to their needs very differently. You know why? Because they're very different people. Okay? Even in the discipline process, all right? 
Uh, my daughter's not here today. She's, she's traveling today. But my daughter, a word to her, and she would go to tears. My son's running this camera over here. Raise your hand, Drew. Thank you. Okay, Drew, my daughter, I can count on one hand the number of times I spanked her. Yes, we spanked our children. Don't freak out. I can count on one hand the number of times in a day that I spanked Drew. <laughs> Why? Because our children were different and they, they needed different parenting. But we were faithful to both of them and, and God is faithful. So in this, Job's going through difficulty, not because he's done something wrong, but because God's taking him on a journey of discovery. Because here's what you can count on. Even when it's not your fault, God still has a plan. And all things do work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And, and, and God has a plan. And, and we, we see that, by the way, at the end. The, the, the book of Job is 42 chapters long. And we see it in Job 42. We see God bring the end result. And we see Job stepping back into a situation of blessing. But just for a few moments, let's look at Job and his three friends coming to him and the four marks of a, true, of a true friend real quickly. So I want you to flip back. I had you Job chapter four. I want you to flip back to Job chapter two. At the end of Job cha chapter two, it says this. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Zamahite, heard about all the troubles that, he had, that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could barely recognize him or hardly recognize him. Okay, you know Job's gone through it, right? His friends, when they see him from a distance, they're like, who's that? Oh, that's Job. Oh, 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 wow. I, I, I heard it was bad. I didn't realize it was that bad. Right? Because look at the response. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Four things real quickly. Number one is this. A true friend is connected. A true friend is connected. Notice this. It says in, 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 Job, in Job chapter two, it says there in, in the in the last part of verse 11 when these friends when these three friends heard about all the troubles that had come upon him okay they they were they were not so busy in their own life that they were not aware of what was happening to their friends and and a, and a comment that i make fairly regularly because it's so true if the devil can't make you bad he'll make you busy and one of the things that the enemy loves to do is he loves to he loves to isolate us he loves to isolate us because he knows the impact that he has on us he also understands the impact that it has on those we're supposed to be walking in active relationship with see the church is supposed to be the body of Christ we're supposed to be engaged in this thing called fellowship koinonia now fellowship is a word that you don't hear a whole lot in the modern church because we've kind of shied away from those terms that are considered to be Christianese and so we don't use the term fellowship any, so much anymore, but it is truly a biblical word. And, and it comes from the word koinonia. Now, fellowship doesn't mean potluck, okay? Your tuna mac and cheese, no, okay? Keep that stuff at home. Koinonia, fellowship, it means deep connected relationship where we celebrate one another's victories, where we mourn one another's defeats and tragedies, and where we walk and do life at a deep level together, okay? Friendships. Here's the phases of friendship. You have 
cordial. Okay, cordial. Hey, how are you? Good to meet you. Okay, cordial is what most people experience for most people in the church, right? You have people that if, 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 if you come here on a regular basis, you sit in the same spot. Okay, right? So I, on Sundays, I know whether or not you're here. I know that Frank and Fresh here are going to be right here. Okay? And knowing that Frank and Fresh here are going to be right here and knowing that the Lawlers are going to be right here, okay, and, and just I know where you're at. And many of you, because you sit in the same spot, you see the same people every Sunday, right? And when you leave, you go, hey, hey, God bless you. Have a great day. What's that guy's name? Right? You know them. You recognize them by face. You're church friends. Okay? And so if you see one another at Home Depot, it's one of these things. Hey, hey. honey, what's his name again? And of course, men, let's be honest, at least 50% 50 of the time our wives know. And at least 5% of the time we know. Right? But those are, that's the, that's the cordial friend. Right? Hey, good to see you, bud, friend, champ. Or here's, here's what's great about being a Christian. Ready? Brother. Hey, brother. Hey. <laughs> Because then if, even if I see them in Home Depot and I say, how you doing, brother? They know I remember them from church. <laughs> Pretty good, right? Then we go from cordial to casual. Hey, Bob. <laughs> Knew his name. Yeah, Bob and I, we go to church together. I think Bob's in the auto business. I'm not totally sure, but that's Bob. Yeah, he's my friend. In fact, we, we had this men's bowling thing and Bob and I, we, we bowled in the same lane. Bob was a horrible bowler. Um, that's, that's a casual friend. Hey, we got a group of guys going to, you want to go? Hey, there's a, a, some ladies that are getting together. Would you like to join us? That's, that's casual. Then there's close. Close. Hi, Doug, this is Ed. Hey, yeah, man, I, I've got a lot going on today. Really appreciate you praying for me. Thanks, man, I knew you would. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a call later and let you know how it's going. It's a close friendship. And then, there's, and then there's covenant. Covenant is that deepest form of relationship. Covenant relationship, that's the relationship that I have with my wife. Cordial. Casual, close, covenant. Oftentimes those cordial and casual relationships are relationships of convenience, not relationships of commitment. Close covenant are relationships of commitment, not of convenience. And especially in the body of Christ, we need to move into those deeper levels of relationship because we cannot bear one another's burdens being cordial or casual friends. And listen to me, I want to talk specifically to the men because we tend to be much worse at this than the women. Men tend to live relationship relationally on a very surface level. Cordial, casual won't, will not help you in times of difficulty. Those relationships of convenience will not help you in times of difficulty. You've got to have those relationships of commitment. And sir, part of the reason why God has you here, it's not to fulfill your religious duty for an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 30 minutes today. It's going to be an hour and 35 minutes on a Sunday morning. It's to move into those deeper levels of relationship. Okay? And in that, 
It requires you to be connected. You see, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar knew about Job's situation because they were connected to him relationally. They heard the news. These were not friends that lived next door. These were friends that had to come from some distance. They met together and agreed upon time and went to Job. How do we know that they had to come from some distance? Because scripture tells us that when they saw Job for some distance, they could not recognize him. Okay. But not only are they connected, here's what we know. We also know that they are concerned. Why do we know they're concerned? Because they didn't just talk about Job, they went to Job. Let me say that again. They didn't just talk about, they didn't just feel bad, they did something. Listen, Job's going through a difficult time, we should go to him. I wonder how many of those people that Job had instructed, how many of those people that, that Job had encouraged, no, I wonder how many of those people that Job had strengthened said, man, I feel bad for Job. But Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they cared enough to go to Job. They were connected and they were concerned. You know what I have found? I have found this to be true. That the depth of my relationships, are you ready for this? Is more dependent upon me than it is on the people that I'm connected with. That I tend to be the person that sets the level of my relationships. I will also tell you that I don't like that truth. Because when my relationships aren't as strong as I want them to be, I don't want to, I don't want to be the one responsible for that. I want to blame you. Okay? When I'm going through a difficult time, right, and nobody seems to care, when I'm sick and nobody seems to call or bring me soup, right, when I'm going through a tough time and nobody says, man, I'm praying for you, do you need anything? I, I, I want to I blame them when in fact it's my situation. Okay, let me talk real practically for a moment. You know how many times I've heard people go, man, I was in the hospital and the pastor did not call or come by. And then I asked them this question. I'm so sorry, I didn't know you were in the hospital. Did you, did you communicate that to me in any way? No. Okay, this, this, is, this, is just, this, this isn't part of the message. This is just a public service announcement. We are not psychics. We want to be there when you're walking through time of difficulty. We love praying for people when they're going into the hospital. In fact, I'm disappointed. Ah, disappointed isn't the right word. I'm a little bit ticked off when I find out that you went into the hospital and you didn't let me know to where I couldn't come pray, pray for you. But I, I, I set the level of, of the relationships in my life. I'm responsible for the level of relationships in my life. I love the fact that they're not just connected, but they're also concerned. True friends are connected with me. They're, 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 they're concerned about me. They're also compassionate towards me. Again, in this, in, this, in, this, in this two verses, you see this, okay? They heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They were connected. They set out from their homes and met together with agreement to go to him, Okay? They're, they're concerned, okay? And look at this. When they saw him from a distance, this is verse number 12 of, of Job chapter two. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him and they began to weep aloud and tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Man, that's, that's moving, isn't it? 
They were brokenhearted that their friend was going through it. So much so that they wept. Oh, man. It's heartbreaking that Job is going through this. Here's of, of, of everything in, 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 that, in that two verses at the beginning of the story of Job. Of all the things that grip me, here's what grips me. Seven days. They sat there for seven days. And they, they didn't just sit there for seven days. They sat there without speaking a word for seven days. Now, here's, maybe it's just me. But here's how I'm wired, okay? And I'm betting that it worked this way at the Armstrong household as well. We might sit there for a day, maybe two days, but at some point you're gonna look at me and go, Ed, let's talk. Okay, let's get, come on, let's get after it. Seven days. They sit there for seven days and don't say a word. They just, you know what? Brother just needs somebody to hang with him a little bit, okay? He's going through a tough time. Doesn't need a sermon, doesn't need a speech. Doesn't need somebody to get out, get out tools and try to fix something. He just needed them to be there. At the end of those seven days, Job goes, man. I cursed the day I was born. I wish I would... I wish it had never been born. That which I fear has come upon me. That's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about that which Job feared. And how even though Job was blameless and upright, even though Job did all the right things, that that subconscious fear provided an open door for the enemy to find victory in his life. Through Job's speech, through Eliphaz's speech, Bildad's speech, Zophar's speech, Another young man that came along a little while later. And then God's lengthy speech where God rebukes all of them. At the end, take, take your Bible. And I'm, I'm going to close with this. Go to Job 42. It says this. Job 42, verse number 10. After Job had prayed for his friends. Isn't that interesting? His friend came for him. His friends came for him. And at the end, after Job had prayed for his friends. The end of the story. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him, more, made him prosperous, prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble uh, the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. 
He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys, and he also had seven, duns, seven sons and, 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 and three daughters. What's interesting is this, is God uh, blessed Job doubly with his possessions. He did not bless him doubly with his children. So maybe there's a lesson in that. That's enough. So here's the question that I have for you. Let's stand together. What kind of friend are you? What kind of a friend are you? Uh, if you want to know how to answer that question, how are your relationships? Are most of your relationships cordial? Do they stop at the casual level? Do you have any close relationships? What has been the life cycle of the covenant relationships in your life? Including the most important covenant relationship that you have, your relationship with God. You were designed for relationship. First, your vertical relationship, the relationship between you and God. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sin and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. You were also designed to have horizontal relationships. It is not good that man live alone. You were designed as a relational being. The destiny that God has for you and the mission that he's called you to demands you to have healthy relationship. It's required because you are called to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You are part of God's army. He has commissioned you and directed you to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. that only works in relationship. So in these closing moments, I, I wanna give you this challenge, this opportunity to reflect and review. Some of you are here this morning and, and the relationships that you have are fractured. because you allowed yourself to be disconnected. You were weak in commitment. Some of your relationships are non-existent because you, you, didn't, you didn't display concern. You failed to act in compassion. good news is you're in the right place because our God is a restorer. He's a restorer. Say that with me. Restorer. Come on. Restorer. And what God wants to do is this. He wants to restore your relationship standing. He wants to re-engage you as a friend. Both in your relationship with him, that vertical relationship, and in your horizontal relationships, your relationships with other people. 
He wants to see a strengthening in those close relationships in your life, those covenant relationships in your day. And, and this is the time. So God, right now, I, I pray for each and every person here. I pray, God, that, that today would be an epiphany day, that it would be a, a life-altering moment, that, that you would allow the eyes of our heart to be opened, I love that, that prayer that Paul prayed. I, I pray that same prayer. I pray also that the eyes of our hearts may be opened or the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may see beyond the surface to the supernatural and that we would have a spiritual understanding of the connections that you want to be made in our life and the connections that you want to be strengthened in our life. God, for so many of us, there are, there are relationships that need to be restored. Which means that apologies need to be given. Forgiveness needs to be offered. And I speak renewal and health over those relationships right now in Jesus' name. You've called us to be a, a light to our world. And we've been disconnected from those in our workplace. We've been disconnected from those in our school. We've been disconnected from those in our neighborhood. God, I, I speak a vitality and a birthing of those relationships to where we can truly be the missionaries to Orlando and the surrounding area that you've called us to be. Thank you that you are moving us forward relationally with intentionality. I bind the enemy, the devil. I declare him a defeated foe in this, in this area of our life. We speak victory over relationships in Jesus' name. God, give each one of us, give us the spiritual and emotional courage we need to make fractured relationships whole and to see new relationships come to life. That we would walk as the relational beings that you've called us to be. committed to you in Jesus' name.